0: Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional surprise budget micro wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If your parents are not bankrolling your wedding, you are in the right place. Okay, so this episode is all about how to stay on budget for your wedding. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly how much to spend on your wedding or what percentage of your income or anything like that. I think that's totally an individual decision. But I'm definitely talking to people today who are on a little bit of a budget, you know? So if you are planning to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars for this, if your parents are just, you know, opening up the checkbook, no one's checking prices, you are saying sky's the limit, this probably isn't the episode for you. It might still be worth listening to. Uh, you might get some good tips or some things to think about, but this is definitely for the people who are saving a little bit or a little bit worried about how much weddings cost, who kind of freaked out when you read that number that, you know, like the average American weddings like $35,000 or something like that. And you're like, whoa, we do not have $35,000 sitting in our bank account. This is your episode. So first thing I want to say, when you are planning out your wedding budget, as well as just, you know, your wedding planning in general, I think first thing you want to do is really sit back and say, what is our wedding mantra? What is our mission? You know, what is the, really, what is the mission statement of your wedding? And I know that's kind of silly. That's something you'd think to do, you know, at a startup or something like that. But it's actually really helpful to sit down you and your partner and say, like, what is the purpose of our wedding? Um, and, you know, obviously you can be like, uh, duh, to get married. But, you know, beyond that, is it to celebrate with your loved ones? Is it to bring two families together? Is it to show off your culture and religion? Is it to have a really awesome dance party? Is it to you know wear the fanciest clothes of your life? It it can be a couple you know different things. For example, when my partner and I sat down, our wedding mission was (laughs) get married, have fun, don't spend all our money. Which, (laughs) admittedly, is not as fleshed out um, as as it probably could be. But uh, I think that also kind of speaks to the type of wedding we're planning. We want to keep it really simple. We want to have a good time, but we. They're definitely doing it on a budget. And you know, we've talked further about what that actually looks like for us. You know, for us, it's a it's a micro wedding. It's happening at a family um, family member's house. So you know there's no venue costs, things like that. But in essence, you know, the most important part for us, obviously, get married. We want to have a good time doing it and we don't want to spend all our money. <laughs> so it's really cool to kind of come up with a statement like that that is the mission statement or the mantra or the purpose of your wedding. And then as you're planning, and especially as you are working on your budget, that's something that you can come back to over and over again. Like, you know, why are we doing this? What is the point of all this? (laughs) Here's the reason. This is why we're getting married. Sort of in uh, conjunction with that is putting together your top threes. This is something I've seen on lots of different wedding websites. But basically, you go through all of the different aspects of a wedding day. So, you know, dinner, dancing, photography, outfits, ceremony, um, decor, flowers, all the different things. And you put together your top three. What are the top three most important things to you? And you do this with your partner. So your partner's also sitting there coming up with their top three things. And then you share those with each other. So, for example, you could say, oh, my, you know, my top three, it's really important to me that we have... An awesome signature drink. You know, I'm really into, I don't know, insert type of liquor you love here. It's really important to me that we have awesome videography. You know, I really want a video of the day that's so important to me that we have that to watch back every year on our anniversary. And my third thing is. Uh, flowers. You know, I, I love flowers, huge plant lover. I pictured myself with this giant bouquet. That's really important to me. So your three things are the drinks, the video and the flowers. And your partner might say, you know, me, the top thing for me is dancing. I would love us to have a live band that's really going to get everyone up on their feet to dance. My second thing is my outfit. You know, I've always pictured myself in a giant ball gown. I can't wait to wear one. It's something I've been dreaming about forever. And my third thing is, oh, hey, look at that. I also really love flowers, whatever it is. So then you put those things together. And those are sort of your, you know, your top six, or maybe you have overlap, maybe it becomes, you know, anywhere from three to six things. And those are the top things that are really going to be your main priorities for your wedding. So that can be really helpful to come up with before you start planning, before you start putting together your budget. So you can kind of say, you know, these are the things that are important to us. This is where we want to allocate funds. This is what's going to make the day special and meaningful and important to us. And that's, you know, that's what we're going to build our budget around. So if you look at that list and you say, oh, hey, neither of us care about um dinner like we're not you know we're not huge foodies we don't really care what what we're serving obviously you know we want it to be tasty but we're not you know going all out and getting lobster filet mignon oh neither of us care about the cake okay we're not going to do a big cake thing hey you know photography is not that big a deal to us we'd rather spend it on videography whatever, you know, decor, music, anything, whatever is sort of not in that top six, not saying that you totally forget about those things, you know, don't even bother hiring a photographer. But maybe that's a place where you can say, Oh, hey, we're going to get, you know, a slightly less experienced photographer, maybe a photography student, or we're just going to pay for a couple hours of photography, you know, we're going to do ceremony and portraits, we're not going to do the getting ready shots. And if I can have a quick aside, I really don't understand the getting ready shots. What do you do with those? Like, what, like what do I do with pictures of me putting on makeup, or my mom zipping up my dress, or my bridesmaids, you know, fake ooing and eyeing over my dress? I don't get it. I don't understand those pictures. <laughs> I mean, they're beautiful moments. And I think it's great to have those moments. I don't really understand the need to capture them. And I don't and like would you ever print those pictures? Uh, just an aside, not my thing. Okay, Back to the budget now. <laughs> okay, so after you've got your wedding mantra, your mission statement, as well as your list of top three to six priorities, now it's time to actually put together that budget. So this is something you definitely want to create with your partner. It shouldn't be just you on a spreadsheet or just your partner. Like sit down together, put away your phones, turn off the TV and just focus. This is something you definitely want to be on the same page about. It's important that you're doing your budget with real numbers. I know a lot of the budget um, calculators that you can grab off the internet just have percentages like, oh, you know, 10% of your wedding budget should go to florals or something like that. And that's great to know in terms of what the average couple spends or, you know, what costs really are. You can't walk into a floral shop and be like, oh, we have $20. Can you please decorate our entire reception space? You know, that's obviously not going to work. Um, So it's good to know for those reasons, but you should definitely take those percentages with a grain of salt because you have your top six, top three to six most important things for your wedding. And that's where you should really be allocating the most of your time and your money. So those percentages, you know, not super helpful at this point. At this point, you really want to have real numbers. You want to know exactly how much you want to spend in total. And as, you know, as close as you can try to break it down for the different categories, obviously, you know, things will change as you do research, you might find a great deal on a DJ or something like that, and be able to allocate some of your DJ money to hair and makeup or, you know, whatever it is. But it's really great to have sort of a rough idea on how much you'd want to spend. So at this point, you really want to be looking at how much money you're putting in as well as any other contributions that you might be getting to your wedding. So a lot of people's parents will be contributing some. On the Bride Chilla podcast, they call these people wedding donors. So it's just anyone in your life who would be putting um, some money towards your wedding. So typically it's parents, but you might have grandparents or godparents or siblings or maybe just really nice friends um, who want to support you. So now's the time when you want to call those people. And it's a little bit of an awkward conversation, right? We don't usually talk money with our parents or our grandparents or whoever, but you just want to sit down and say, hey, you know what, me and my partner, we are putting together our wedding budget. And for us to be able to do that, we really need to know All the different numbers. So, we'd love to know are you planning to contribute anything? If not, not a problem at all. You know, we're not expecting it, but we just love to know now so we can sort of put together a realistic budget and, you know, plan properly and not, you know, leave this. Because the worst thing would be if you just assumed, oh, yeah, I assume my parents have put aside, you know, $20,000 and you go out and you book this venue, you know, non refundable, you put down a deposit and then you find out a few months later, your parents were actually only planning to give you $5,000, right? Like, you don't want to get stuck in a situation where you aren't using real numbers. This It's super important at this point in your budget. So, you know, pull up your banking apps, figure out exactly how much you guys have, sorry, you two have, and how much other people would be contributing. So you're really Speaking uh, to reality at this point. And this is something, you know, it's probably not going to all happen in one night. You probably don't want to, you know, text your parents and be like, Give me, give me the money numbers. Tell me now. It might be a conversation you need to have in person. It might be something where you start the conversation with your parents and they say, Hey, we've got to go talk about it. Uh, We'll get back to you. You know, this could take a little little bit of time. And so try to give yourself as much time as possible to really flush out this budget and not, you know, do it the night before, you know, you fell in love with a venue, they need an answer in the morning and you're quickly texting, you know, your parents and grandparents and saying, oh, like, let me know, let me know how much money. You really wanna have some time to sort of sit with this. And even with you and your partner, you know, you've hopefully talked about money before today but you might wanna sit down and really discuss how much you're comfortable contributing. Uh, You might've had one number in mind, your partner might've had another. You might have a system where, hey, we've been saving for this for a while, it's sitting in a separate account, that's how much we wanna put in, or, hey, we've never saved for this, how much are we comfortable putting aside each week? or you know we've got a bonus coming up, how much of that can we put into it? Just basically talk numbers, get vulnerable, keep communicating. It's not gonna be a one-time conversation. It's definitely gonna be something that you're gonna be working on over time, but it's great if you can sort of get those real numbers and sort of rough estimates before you get into the meat of wedding planning. All right, so now I'd like to talk about priorities. I know we already talked about priorities. I told you to put together your top three parts of the wedding that are the most important to you and that those would be the priorities. But now I wanna talk about priorities in a broader sense. So not just the priorities for your wedding, but the priorities for your life and where your wedding fits into that. So a lot of people who are getting married are kind of at that age where they're also thinking about buying a house or starting a family maybe going on a really big trip, maybe going back to school, lots of things that are, you know, huge life milestones, as well as huge expenses. Um, Funny how our society has sort of designed all of those things to kind of happen in like, you know, a five year span, the most expensive five years of your life. So I think it's really important when you're discussing your budget and putting it together and trying to decide how much you want to spend to figure out where your wedding falls in those other priorities in your life, right? So if, buying a house is something hugely important to you and your partner you've been saving up for years and years and years you're so close you're ready to buy your first home together you know where does the wedding rank is the house more important than the wedding is the wedding more important do you now want to take all those funds that you had allocated for the house and put them towards the wedding probably not if it's something that you've been saving for for a really long time um so yeah sit down with your partner put together the list of, you know, here are all the things that are super important to us in our life, house, kids, vacation, school, moving to a new city, saving for retirement, I don't know, Uber Eats three times a week, whatever, whatever your priorities are, you know, throw them all on a piece of paper, include the wedding in there, and then kind of rank them, you know, like, how important is each thing? What do those things cost? Um, how much, you know, would you have to set aside or save? Is it something you have to start saving for now? Is it coming later? And if you, you know, if you move the wedding up to the top of that list, what, is, what does that mean for your life? What are you sacrificing, right? If you spend 30000 on a wedding, does that mean you have to wait three more years to buy a house or five more years to start a family or not go on that, you know, three-month-long honeymoon through Europe that you had planned? Whatever your priorities are. I think it's so important to look at the wedding in terms of your life um, and not just in terms of what parts of the wedding are really important to you, but just how important is the wedding to you compared to all the other awesome things that are going to happen in your life together. I think that's huge because you would hate to blow your budget on this one day event and then realize that all those other things you really cared about, like the house and the kids and the trips are no longer possible because you just don't have the funds to do any of that anytime soon. Um, I also want to shout out the Bride Disrupted podcast. Uh, This prioritizing of your life, you know, including the wedding in that is a theory I got from her show. And it's really great. And I definitely encourage you to give it a listen. On the same token, I'd love to talk about comparison. Um, A lot of wedding planning, unfortunately, comes down to comparing, right? Like a lot of the things that we think we should have in our wedding is because we saw it at somebody else's wedding, or we saw it on Pinterest, or it's just something we've heard of that like, oh, of course, every wedding has favors and save the dates and a cake and things like that. And then a lot of it is stuff that like, you don't actually need, you know, to get married, you really just need you, a willing partner, someone who can legally marry you, and probably your license. That's it. Everything else is extra. It's just what you want it to be. So there's really no rule. You know, they say the average wedding costs $35,000. It doesn't have to, like your wedding might be a 10th of that. It might be four times that, whatever it is, that's up to you. And it's, it needs to be about how it fits into your life, not how it fits into someone else's life, right? So it doesn't matter what you see somebody doing on social media, or what you saw your cousin do at their wedding. It just has to matter for your life. If $30,000 or sorry, $35,000 isn't a number that works for you. And I mean, maybe I run in the wrong crowd, but $35,000 is not a number that works for a lot of people in my life, then then that's not your number. And that's fine, because you don't need to be living up to anyone else's expectations, but your own. It's your wedding. If you're here at the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast, it's probably because you kind of want to do things your own way. And that's awesome. You should definitely be starting from scratch and building a wedding that is meaningful to you and that has all the things that you care about without, you know, with none of the things that you don't care about. Sorry, that's a double negative, but you get what I'm saying. If, you know, those top six things that are super important to you, if that's all you spend on, that's awesome. Drop everything else and ensure that whatever budget number you come to is one that works for your life, regardless of what weddings are supposed to cost. The next thing I'd love to chat about is add-ons. It's super easy to add on things to your wedding, even after you've come up with your top six priorities and your budget. Maybe you have a spreadsheet of, you know, all the different things that you need to get. It's super easy, even if you're so committed to your list and your budget, to see something and go, "Ooh, I want to add that. For example, uh, I'm sure you know by now, if you're if you've listened to my last couple episodes, I'm certainly having a very minimalist, basic wedding. You know, I don't want a wedding party, no save the dates, no favors, nothing like that. But I saw on a wedding Facebook group, somebody was getting artisan lollipops for their wedding. And I was like, that is the most ridiculous like that is just you just must have so much money for that to be something that you're adding to your wedding, not even as a favor, just as like a fun thing to have. But I clicked on the link. And you know, 20 minutes later, I'm almost about to order a 100 of these like strawberry lime mojito lollipops they have hundreds of flavors they look amazing it's like super cool flavors you never would have thought of they have a fall collection a spring collection I was in this huge rabbit hole of artisan lollipops and suddenly you know saw myself going oh how cool would it be if we had these and we had all these fun flavors people would love it And I was about to purchase them and spend like, you know, $100 on lollipops, which is so funny and so not in my budget and so not what I need at my wedding. But it happens, right? You know, I was looking at the venue with my mom the other day. And like I said, we're getting married at a family uh, member's house. And she was saying, oh, we could, you know, put lights here and this sort of thing, decor piece and flowers here. And I had not planned for any of that. But as she's saying it, you know, I find myself nodding along. Oh, of course we need lights. Oh, of course we need some decor. Um, a a coworker of mine mentioned a florist. And again, I wasn't planning on getting flowers, but she sent me a link and I was, oh, I don't want to disappoint my coworker. And oh yeah, those flowers are gorgeous. It's, it's just so easy to see things out in the world or as you're having conversations and want to add them onto your wedding. Um, and I think it just, you really got to come back to your why. And that's why when I started this podcast episode, I started it with coming up with that wedding mantra, your mission statement, the purpose, why are you getting married? And what are the things that are important to you? What are your top three things that are important to you for the wedding? And also, you know, where does the wedding rank in terms of the priorities of your life? So when you come back to those things, when I come back, you know, to my personal list, lollipops was not on my list of things that are important to me for my wedding. And going over budget for my wedding means other things I care about in my life, like starting a family and traveling, get bumped down the list. And I'm not willing to bump those things for lollipops. So for me, it's super helpful to come back to that why and my list of priorities anytime I feel myself sort of getting lured in by these beautiful add-ons, because that's, that's the whole point of the wedding industry, right? It's just, Really gorgeous stuff that on any given day you were like, you know, I've never felt the need to hold a bouquet or stand under an arch or have a velvet pillow behind me, you know, any other point in my life. But oh, it looked gorgeous on this, you know, this photo on Instagram. So today I need it. That's that's kind of the whole wedding industry aesthetic. That's the point, right? It's all this beautiful stuff that, of course, it would be lovely to have it, but at what cost, right? What are you willing to sacrifice in order to have? artisan lollipops at your wedding day (laughs) and that sort of brings me into my final tip here which is just about doing a bit of a reality check so let's take my uh, well let's stop using the artisan lollipop uh, example because I think I've really run that one into the ground and you know shout out to the company on Etsy beautiful stuff almost had me (laughs) I'm sure they're doing great I'm sure they taste amazing let's do centerpieces as an example So I have decided that I don't want centerpieces at my wedding. Um, We are having a super small wedding, likely just sort of, um, you know, you grab a plate and you go sit on a couch or at a table or something like that. There's not going to be a bunch of, you know, eight foot round tables or anything like that. So I don't really think centerpieces would fit. Um, But even if we were having a wedding like that, I don't think I would do centerpieces. Personally, I kind of think they're a waste of money. I have eaten all my other meals at tables without centerpieces, really not had a problem. (laughs) I don't think they are worth it. Um, I think by the time you pay all that money to make them big and extravagant and beautiful, it actually impedes the experience because now you have guests at a table who can't talk to each other. Um, And I know at the end of every wedding I go to, it seems like there's always this big thing about, oh, we're gonna raffle off to see who goes home with the centerpiece. And yet at the end of the night, you know, 75% of the centerpieces are still sitting there. (laughs) And anyways, not my thing. So here's kind of like a reality check that I would do with myself if I saw a beautiful centerpiece, you know, on Instagram and started to think I might want one. So the first thing I would ask is, do I really need this? No, (laughs) no, I do not. I can still, you know, going back to my wedding mission statement, I can get married, I can have fun and I can save money without a centerpiece. I don't need it. Second question, do I care about it? no, (laughs) I think it's beautiful. And I'm sure there are so many centerpieces out there that I would absolutely just lose my mind over, you know, so gorgeous florals, lighting, candles, I know some that are done with books. And I love the idea of doing ones that are really meaningful. If there could be like a travel themed one, I think that would really fit my life well. Um, But at the end of the day, do I care about centerpieces? Not really. (laughs) Third question, do I remember um, this item from the last wedding I went to? Nope. (laughs) For all the weddings that I've been to in the last sort of five years, I couldn't tell you what a single one of those centerpieces looked like. No idea, no idea if they did flowers or candles or stones or books or frames. No clue what it looked like. None of them stand out in my mind. And a lot of those weddings I was in and I was actually one of the people, you know, decorating the table. So you think I would remember, but I absolutely do not. And I think that's a really freeing question. If you uh, quiz yourself and say, do I remember, you know, what type of cutlery was used at the last wedding I went to? Do I remember, I don't know, what the dance floor shape was, or, or what the tables looked like, what my chair looked like, even what the cake tasted like? You probably don't, right? Like, those are things you just don't remember from weddings, unless it was your own wedding. Even then, you might have forgotten. <laughs> the fourth question is, will this impact the day? So, would having centerpieces impact my wedding day? Again, it's a no. I really don't think that would add anything to my wedding day, and I'm you know, happy at this point, four questions into my reality check to sort of let them go. And the final question is, what else could I do with that money? And that's, I think, such a freeing question. If you were setting aside, you know, $2,000 for centerpieces, you know, I don't know what you can get with that. I'm sure you could spend way more, way less. Um, But yeah, if you had set aside $2,000 for centerpieces, and you've kind of gone through this reality check, realized you don't need it, you don't care about it, you don't really remember it, it's not going to impact your day, what could you do with $2,000? You know, is that a bunch of date nights, um, movies when we can go to the movies again. <laughs> Is it, uh, an extra rent payment or a mortgage payment? Is it a vacation? Is that, you know, the nursery for your, for your future baby? It, it could be a lot of things, or, you know, you could allocate it elsewhere on your wedding. Maybe $2,000 gets you that videographer that you wanted, or a few more, you know, photography hours and in an in a album package or something like that. So I think it really, you know, another really helpful question to ask yourself when you're kind of doing this reality check is, are you just getting something because you feel like you should? Like I was saying, you know, the only things you really need to get married are that willing partner, the person to marry you and the paper to make it official. Everything else is extra. So if you're only getting it because you've seen it at other weddings Or, you know, you just haven't even really thought about it. You're just like, oh, yeah, wedding, of course, we do this, we do this, we do this. That's not a good enough reason to spend money that could be allocated elsewhere on something you don't care about. So if you don't care about centerpieces or favors or invites or music or things like that, like cut them, totally cut them. Here is your permission. You have it. Do what you want to do, spend on what you want to spend and forget about the rest. I'm gonna wrap up with some final rules that I think are really important to keep in mind when you're putting together your wedding budget and as you're planning and trying to stick to that budget. So rule number one is to have a contingency fund just like you would, you know, if you're renovating a house in case something goes wrong, you want to have a little bit of a contingency fund built into your wedding budget, just for the things that you might have forgotten about, like tipping the servers, uh, buying your marriage license, or if things end up costing more, you didn't factor in, you know, taxes or things like that. Just a lot of stuff with the wedding, you know, as, as much as we try to stick to the budget, there's definitely things that could go wrong. And so you don't have to sacrifice and, you know, stop going to the grocery store or fall behind on your rent or mortgage or something like that. Put together a little bit of a contingency fund, whatever's comfortable for you, maybe 10% of your budget or something like that and just have it as that cushion so that if things do go wrong, um, you are prepared, you have that money set aside and you know, try not to think about it as soon as you set it aside forget it because you don't want to be, you know, out shopping and go, "Oh, well, we do have that contingency fund and, you know, things start adding up." Just save it for emergencies and at the end of the wedding, if, you know, you didn't use it, awesome. That's 10% right back in your pocket for you to put towards those other life priorities. Rule number 2, and this is a big one, is don't go into debt for your wedding. That's such a sucky way to start your marriage with this huge looming debt hanging over you. And I know for a lot of people that's the reality they do go into debt for their wedding and personally i think that's because they buy into that your wedding needs to be this $35,000 affair and it truly truly does not even if you were on the most budget of a budget you can you know get married down at city hall or with a justice of the peace or a commissioner you know whatever they're called in your area and and buy a marriage license and that should probably run you less than $200 for the license and for the official who can marry you. So if you have $200, you can get married, and you don't have to go into debt. And if $200 is all you have, and all you want to do is get married. That's awesome. You know, put on an outfit from your closet, do your own hair and makeup, take photos with your cell phone or get a friend to come take photos. Just go out for dinner afterwards, or maybe, you know, some friends or family want to take you out for dinner and that's it. That's your wedding. That's the budget you have. If you only have $200, but you want to have this 200 person wedding with a big dinner and dancing and all that stuff, then your options are either to save up or to cut back. Personally, I really don't think going into debt is the right answer. I think it's a really sort of shaky way to start your marriage having this big debt looming over you, something you have to pay back with likely a horrible interest rate. Um, Just not great, especially, you know, modern day, a lot of us are coming into relationships with student loan debt, maybe you have Car loans or other credit card debt, house payments, things like that. It's just one extra thing that you really don't need to be going into debt for. You can save up if you have some time, some, you know, jobs where you can put aside some money each week or each month, save up for that dream wedding or scale it back. Cut 200 guests down to 20 or down to 50. Instead of dinner, maybe you're just going to do you know, cake and juice or something like that. There's definitely ways to get married and not spend $35,000. And personally, you know, in my opinion, I think it's much better to either save up for your dream wedding or cut back and not go into debt. Rule number three is don't rely on contributions. We talked earlier about those wedding donors, the people who are going to be contributing financially to your wedding. It can be really dicey if you are 100% relying on contributions, especially if you're not comfortable having those financial conversations with your parents or whoever else is contributing. It can get really scary if you try to start wedding planning and you don't have those numbers in front of you. It can also be scary just to be 100% reliant on someone else because you want to think, you know, what does it mean when I agree to that money? you know, to have at my wedding? What am I actually agreeing to? Am I agreeing to let my parents plan the whole thing? Do they now have a say? You know, is mom coming to the dress fitting and going to tell you, nope, you can't wear that. I'm paying for the dress. I hate that one. Or no, sorry, that venue is out. Oh, actually, I'm going to invite 50 of my best friends from the neighborhood that you've never met before. Uh, no, that date doesn't work for us. Oh, no, we don't like that person you invited. We don't like your flowers. Here's a photographer we think you should use. You know, what does that mean? And I think that's an important part of the conversation. When you do sit down with your parents or whoever's contributing and ask them for what that number is going to be, I think it's also really helpful to ask them, and what does that mean? You know, when when we accept this very kind uh, contribution to our wedding, what what does it mean? What's, what strings are attached? Uh, is really what you're trying to get at. But just asking them what kind of involvement they they think they want to have in the wedding. And then sit back with your partner and say, are we comfortable with that? You know, if mom and dad say, we're going to give you $20,000, but we expect to invite 30 friends. Are you comfortable with that? Are you happy to have 30 of your parents' friends at your wedding? Or is that a deal breaker? And if it is a deal breaker, then maybe you need to say, you know, thanks, but no thanks for this contribution. That's not the wedding we want to have. And we'd rather pay for it ourselves. Sure, it's going to be a little smaller or it's going to take us a few years to save up for it. But then we get to plan our own wedding, right? I mean, ideally, your parents are happy just to give you the money and walk away. That's why on the Chilla podcast, they call them donors, because when you donate to a, you know, political campaign or a charity or something, you don't really have a say in what they do with the money. You're just donating because you support them. And hopefully that's what your parents are doing with you. They're just donating to your wedding because they support you and they love you and they're happy for you to have the day that you want. But that's not always the case. There's a lot of strings attached to money. Anytime you mix money and family, uh, big events, you know, stress, there's a lot going on. So it's likely that your parents are going to want to have some sort of input and they might feel justified in that if they're paying for it. So really be careful with contributions. The other side of contributions is asking yourself, what else could you use that money for? So for example, when my partner and I purchased our home, first home together, uh, our parents did contribute. And we sort of, you know, when we were having those conversations of would you like to contribute? Were you planning to? How much? We sort of told them, hey, we would love this to be just the one time you contribute to our lives. We're not going to come back to you when we get married or when we have kids or anything like that. So any sort of money that you had were planning to set aside for us to give us for our future, we would love if you could give it all to us right now so we can put it all into the house. And our parents were really on board with that. And I think that sort of changed their perspective of how much they wanted to give us and for us it was much more important to be able to purchase that house you know have as much buying power as possible rather than just having a little bit of a contribution there and holding out for money coming for a wedding, we would much rather pay for the wedding ourselves. So that's another really important question to ask yourself. If your parents are saying, hey, we'd love to give you 20,000 for your wedding, what else could you use that for? And are they comfortable with that? If you said, hey, would you guys be cool if I just put 5,000 of that towards the wedding and the other 15 into our house fund or, you know, baby fund or whatever? Obviously, you have that conversation with them, you know, don't go out on a big, I don't know, trip to Vegas, all expenses paid with 20 grand. But I would assume if your parents are happy to support your wedding, they'd also be very happy to support your house or your babies or whatever your future goals are. And last but not least, my final rule is the phrase, you only get one wedding day is not a good enough excuse to go over budget. And you're going to hear it all the time. Every wedding vendor, probably, you know, your girlfriends and guy friends and other you know non-binary friends they'll say oh but it's your wedding day it's your special day come on how many weddings are you gonna have and yes it's true it's your special day and ideally you just have the one but that's not a good enough reason to go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars that you don't have because going back to what is the purpose of your wedding and where does your wedding fall within the priorities of your life you don't want to have this extravagant day and then have to give up everything else that you really want right so yeah it's just one day remember that of course it's a special day and it's important but it is just one day and it's super important to stick to your budget thank you so much for listening to this episode of the unconventional wedding planning podcast i really appreciate it and i hope i didn't offend anyone with my budget tips i hope they're super helpful If you want to make my day, you can leave me a rating and review and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And remember, there's a lot you can do with $35,000. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.